Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 233. Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Oh, look here. It's just like she knew. My cat, Lulu. Yes. I say hi. <laughs> she just had to... I have my door open because it's warm in here. We get like direct sunlight and it doesn't matter like how well you've maintained the temperature. It just gets hot at a certain point. And I start sweating through my makeup, all that stuff. So I have the door open. I get a nice AC breeze blown in. Um, But Lulu also hears me talking and immediately is like, oh, movie star. Yes, I will be a movie star. I will. I will be front front and center for the world to see. So she might come back. Who knows? Um, today's going to be a great episode. You guys, it's going to be all about shame and guilt. Those things that sometimes, and I've talked to, you know, several people throughout the duration of Elijah fire who do have some underlying things that they just can't are having a hard time letting go of. Um, a lot of those being shame and guilt. Maybe there was a big, in your mind, a big sin that even though you know that that scripture says, the blood of Jesus covers over that thing. You go, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. So um, this is going to be a really, really great resource for you uh, if you're dealing with that, but also for other people who you might know who are going through this as well. So it's going to be a great episode. Uh, before we get started, if you guys are listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the Elijah Fire podcast. Um, and then wherever you guys are watching this, you can also rate the the uh, audio-only podcast podcast. Uh, version that'll really help us out as well. Uh, speaking of wells, oh, did you see that segue? Uh, I'm going to play a well spot. This is a new and updated one. This kind of showcases all of the areas that your donations, anytime you guys donate to Elijah Fire or Elijah Streams, uh, where we take a portion of every donation and we funnel it into our water well efforts. And this is a great video that kind of recaps what we've done so far this year uh, because of your guys' donations. It's just amazing. So let's take a look and we're going to get going. Amazing. And I can't wait to see how big that list grows of all the additional places outside of Uganda uh, that water wells are being dug and that are transforming communities. It's really cool to see that we're going after First Nations tribes now here in the America. Super exciting. Uh, so there's going to be a lot more to follow. I'm sure by the end of the year, we'll have a you know, twice as long, maybe. Who knows? Very exciting. Uh, also very exciting. Uh, I forgot to mention this yesterday uh, or announced this yesterday, but tomorrow we begin a new teaching series. Uh, it's going to be three parts. It's called Renewing Your Mind. It's with Kara Starnes. We've had her on the show before, um, and it's going to be really, really great. Uh, so that starts tomorrow, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. But today, so I guess maybe that's going to be a good, you know, continuation of what we talk about today. Um, but uh, my guest today, a lot of you guys know her, but some of you don't, especially if you're, you're newer. She's an author. She's a minister. She's also a very gifted teacher. And I got to say, she's also one of the most genuinely joy-filled people I've ever met. She's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Like instant friends. Like in, I was like, wow. Like it was like. Yeah, she was making friends with everybody when we were in Israel. Uh, it was great. So let's give it up for my guest today, Yvonne Atia. Oh, hello. Jeff, it's so good to be with you. What an honor. Thank you so much for yeah. the kind and sweet words that you said. Thank oh, I met you. all of them, every <laughs> single one. So. You and your husband, Mina, I got to meet you guys in person, got to spend time with you guys in Israel. Mina is a troublemaker. <laughs> it is a troublemaker. Yeah. <laughs> I had this uh, water, um, like a camelback, you know, it's like a hose that has water. It was in my backpack. And then so I can, you know, I was running with the camera so I could just grab it. And he's like, he kept going like while Steve was with an earshot, he's like, Jeff, what's in there? That's what do you mean? That's not water. You know, <laughs> Steve, Jeff is, he's like, you need to ask him what's in here. You know, yeah, it was funny. that yeah. was so yeah. funny. So yeah. funny. But just be before we came on air, I was sharing with you, although it was my first time to meet you all in person, 
I genuinely felt there was so much love between the team. It wasn't just, you know, people behind the scenes doing a, a job. It wasn't that. It was people fulfilling their calling and there was such genuine love. And I just felt part of the family. So I want to say thank you to you, your beautiful wife, Lauren, and to the team and to Steve and Doreen. What an honor. I'm just humbled to be a part of this on this journey. Oh, yeah, I mean, it really... Yeah. Oh, that's I think that's the way Steve views it too is is uh, anybody who's been on Elijah streams or Elijah fire like we we kind of instantly I just want to be friends with everybody so <laughs> I'm like you know I think there's that part of it with me definitely but uh, you know it was really cool actually fun fact to everybody who's listening but Mina and Yvonne while we were all baptizing people Jordan River, Mina and uh, and Yvonne got to baptize Lauren and myself in the Jordan. So we all baptized people. You know, they had all these couples broken up, and so I had the honor of baptizing people. Um, you did too, and yes. And then once we was all, I was all done, right there. I'm like, let's do this. So it's, it's oh, what, awesome. an, what an honor, Jeff, yeah. and just the hunger that you have for Jesus, you and Lauren. I love it. I love it because it's real. And I want people to hear this. It's not just, you're not just doing a daily show. You're doing this because you genuinely love Christ. Yeah. And I, I saw that firsthand. So mm. I'm excited to how the Lord will be using you more and more and more in, in those coming days. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, Jesus is great. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I think that's one of the big things that I, I've told people throughout the show. And I think people who get to meet me in person realize that, like, I will be like this with yeah. whoever I need. It's not just like, oh, I'm on the show and I'm with someone that I think, you know, like I think is is important. And so I want to act like I care. Um, no, I'm like this with everybody. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and so that's I think that that I'm glad that that that's shown through for you so absolutely yeah and i must say that it was so cool to see young people join the tour you know like we met two young brothers and they're hearing you they're being impacted they're being transformed and they came along and you know they were part of the adventure tour and they were just sharing how fun it was so this is good for viewers to hear this because god is fun yeah, and i see that you know through that tour God was highlighted. His love was highlighted through you guys as a team, through the tours that were selected, through everything. So glory be to God. This tour was a definite highlight. It really was really good. Uh, yeah, so definitely. All right. Um, okay, Yvonne, uh, I kind of touched base a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. But what are we going to be talking about? And I'm going to let you just jump right in. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the deal, Jeff. You know, every time I'm on, I don't just, you know, dream up a topic. I take time in the presence of God and I ask my best friend, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to speak about? And as I was praying for today's show, I kept on seeing Elijah fire. And I'm like, Lord, of course it's Elijah fire. I know I'm going to be on Elijah yeah, Yes, fire. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me something that I know? Yeah. And the Lord began to highlight, no, you don't get it. I'm calling this young generation to be on fire and to be on fire for the Lord. The Lord is calling those young generations to be on fire for the Lord yeah. and to carry through this coming revival. And I was like, Lord, yes, and amen to that. And so one of the things God began to highlight, Jeff, is that so many young people, because of, you know, the current temptations, because of the way media paints what success may look like, a lot of the time, young people, they are trapped in shame and in guilt. And I'm going to explain the difference between the two. And the idea is not to highlight shame or guilt. No, they're demonic spirits that we're going to bind and cast out. So if this is something that, you know, you're going through and you're watching this, get excited because at the end, God's going to set you free. In actual fact, you just said that you're studying a series, a three-part teaching series. This is beautiful because this lays out the foundation. Awesome. So. I want to say that Jeff, when we come to Jesus, we are a brand new creation in Christ. We know that. 
If anyone's in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, they are a brand new creation. But the truth is you don't wake up in the morning and you're like, hey, I'm brand new. It doesn't happen like that. We need to activate our healing. We need to work on our deliverance. In actual fact, we need to claim what Jesus paid for. We need to appropriate the work of the cross. So if you've come to Jesus and there's shame and guilt in your life, it doesn't just fall off. Sometimes it does, but there's other times where you have to go through the journey or a process of renewing the mind. Mm -hmm. And so many people... And I'm not gonna, I'm not here to name ministries, but there are obviously seeker-friendly ministries out there. And the message is like, come to Jesus as you are, and that's great because that's what the gospel teaches. But the moment you receive what Christ has done for us, you can't live life the way you lived life before. Mm -hmm. You have to see the radical transformation in the apostle Paul's life. He never went back to live the way he lived before. Yet today, you see many young people who are struggling with so many things, which I'll mention in a second. But it's almost like, yeah, I received Jesus. I prayed the sinner's prayer, but nothing really has changed. Right. So God is calling you into when you get saved, you get called immediately. The two happen together. Don't tell me you're saved and you're not called. The Bible says, according to Timothy, the one who saved you and called you into a holy calling. So the Lord has a purpose for your life. And so in order to discover the purpose, we need to go through some detoxing or we need to go through some cleansing. And you know, Jeff, as I was reading statistics, this is what I found out. More than 90% of believers, whether young people or old people, they do not go through the process of renewing their mind. Because to do that, you need to deconstruct before you construct. You need to break down strongholds, thinking patterns, what you've learned as a child, what you've gone through as a child. And you need to be to build up according to the mind of Christ. In actual fact, I always say this to people. What is the highest calling in life? And I tell them this. It's not to be a speaker before millions of people, although it's great. It's not to see the greatest healing miracles ever, although that's wonderful. The greatest call anybody can achieve in life is mentioned in Romans 8. It is to conform to the image of Christ. Hmm. If through the Holy Spirit, I'm able to be conformed to look like Jesus, love like Jesus, be free like Jesus, then I have achieved and appropriated the work of the cross in my life. And that is where God is calling so many right now to a place of freedom and to a place where you are prosperous, your health is prosperous. You know, Jeff, what's plaguing people right now is mental health. Yep. It's on the rise. And uh, we give it a lot of uh, names. You know, I've got bipolar disease. I've got this. I've, I've got schizophrenia and I've got that. And the sad thing, I'm not against medicine. However, it's when we don't deal with the root cause and we try and take chemicals to treat a spiritual problem. Yeah, come on. So we need to address this. You're watching this right now because the Lord loves you. You're watching this because the Lord is calling you into a place of freedom. We need to stand on the freedom that Christ paid for. So let me get right into this. So many of God's people, they're dealing with shame and guilt. Now, let me define the two in very simple terms. Shame is not guilt. Shame is where you beat yourself for something that you have done. And shame destroys you. So what is guilt? Guilt is where you feel bad for something that you have done. It's like you do something wrong and you hear this inner voice to say, you know what? Shouldn't have done that. So guilt can actually lead you to forgiveness. It can lead you to say, God, you know what? I, I did this. I'm sorry. I confess my sin. Mm -hmm. But shame is different. Shame is where if you keep on doing and repeating the sin over and over and over again, then shame develops. So shame is where you no longer feel bad about what you have done. It's where you feel bad for who you have become. Hmm. 
In other words, shame attacks your identity. It attacks the core of who you are. And so you feel so bad. And if you don't deal with it, you become disfigured. In actual fact, psychologists said this. If you continue to beat yourself for something that you have done, you are guaranteed to do it again. Let me explain. You're a smoker. You're constantly smoking and it feels bad. You are watching TV and an ad comes and the government's trying to help. So on the cigarette packages, there's all those ugly conditions of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, flesh falling, yeah, the, cancer developing. The Surgeon General's warning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's telling you something every, this is what's written on the cigarette. It says every cigarette is doing you damage. You know that, right? Now, if you're not a smoker, that's a great ad. You're just like, thank God I'm not smoking because every cigarette does me damage. Okay. But what about if you're a smoker? You are feeling so bad, but you don't know how to stop the damage. So what do you do? You go and take another smoke. Because as you take another smoke, at least you're numbing the pain. In other words, shame will get you to continue to do the same thing over and over again. And so we need to really understand this. It's not just that. It will get me in a place of hiding, a place where I don't want to hang around people anymore because deep down, I am believing that they know that I'm so bad. And that might necessarily not be the case, but that's what shame will get you to believe. And we get to see that the first mention of hiding is in Genesis, where the serpent comes and tells the woman that, you know, if you eat of the fruit, You will not die. You will just become like God. And we know what happens. She eats of it. She gives her husband. And so rather than whenever God was there, they would run to God. They loved the presence of God. They knew they were made on God's image. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3, verses 8 to 9, that the first thing they did, it says, when the cool evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called men, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And we get to know that God says, how did you know that you were naked? So when you are in shame, what happens is rather than running to God, you begin to believe that you are so bad that you hide away from God. Why? Because shame attacks identity. I want to highlight that. Guilt is when you do something and you're like, "Mm, I shouldn't have done that. I need to repent. I need to do something about it. But, But shame is when you keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. And all of a sudden, it's not about what you do anymore. It's about who you've become. You no longer look like the person who you used to be. You have become so disfigured that you don't even realize that that's you. And you get to see, Jeff, that unfortunately, that's the case of people who are on drugs. So when the enemy tricks many young people right now who are on whatever drug they are, and they try and with, to stop and withdrawal symptoms are like, really tough so they're like i can't do this so they go back and they do it again and they do it again all of a sudden they become disfigured you look at even how they look you look at how they used to look and they no longer look the same but i'm not saying this to highlight shame i'm saying this to tell you that jesus on the cross also became disfigured because he took that shame so if Jesus took that shame, why am I still dealing with this shame? And this is the word for someone. But I really want to explain more about the causes of it and how it develops. Basically, shame develops out of three different avenues. Number one, it's when we do something wrong. 
So you do something wrong and you keep on repeating it and it alters your identity. You no longer see yourself as the child of God. You no longer call yourself Abba. You are, it's like this younger son in Luke 15. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Who just went, he, he left home, took his inheritance, left home. But the Bible says he was involved in wild living. And he ended up eating with the pigs. Now, a Jewish boy to eat with pigs, this is the ultimate disgrace. So as time went by, he no longer looked like the son of his father. He was so disfigured that if anyone saw him, they would just think that he is just a slave working in the pig pen. And so many of God's children, that's not, I'm telling you, and you're hearing my voice. God is telling you that's not where you belong. That is not where you belong. Even in some states where you come and tell me, oh, the government legalized that. Thank you so much. God didn't. And that's a, that's a word for someone. I mean, you look at homosexuality. There's states that some states legalize that. Yeah, but that's not God's word. That's not what the Bible teaches. So don't tell me that there's some states where marijuana is legal. Well, that's not what God's word says. It says you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And when you begin to face the problem, that is when you begin to become set free. And so this is a word for so many young people, Jeff, that are right now, you are engulfed and you don't know how to get out. So that's one avenue. Another avenue is that it develops through others. When people abuse others, they will make him believe that whatever happened is their fault. So you get to hear, hear, for example, a perpetrator raping a young girl or whatever the situation is, and he does something with her, and then he doesn't want her to tell anybody. So he will actually make her believe that she enticed him. It was her fault that this has happened. So it can happen, or you can bring shame upon yourself from others who will make you believe that this was your fault. So that's another way. Number three, from unhealthy upbringing. What does that mean? When you are young, as you begin to develop, every developmental step has to be celebrated by mom and dad, normally. So for example, when you start to walk, mom and dad are like, wow, our daughter is walking. Oh, she is writing. Oh, she's in year one. Oh, she's, you know, but when this unhealthy environment is not in the house it doesn't exist and you are not celebrated you will begin to think that you're a failure you will begin to think that you're good for nothing in actual fact i've spoken to people who said to me i'm a waste of space and that word hurts when you when christ paid the ultimate price and you're thinking that you are a wasteful space so you're hearing this right now and you're thinking, I don't know if that's me, if that's not me. Let me give you some symptoms. Let me tell you. And that's because I want to get into the healing very shortly. Yeah, come on. But if you're feeling, you know, head down, your head's down. If you're feeling changes in breathing, if you're feeling confused, you, you don't want to be around people. You want to be isolated. Let me tell you right now, that's not the place to be because the enemy will isolate you to breathe on you. This is the place when you are separated from community, when you are separated from even connecting to programs like Elijah Fire or other great ministries, and you're not hearing this. You're just like, you believe that you're so bad. It's almost like this, um, Jeff, it's called, we call it chronic shame. Chronic shame is when people begin to believe that there's no amount of punishment or corrective actions that would be enough. In in other words, it's almost like you have received a life sentence with no hope of parole. Mm. That is what chronic shame does. And so, and then you begin to feel that you are so bad. There's nothing that can change that. In actual fact, you want to be invisible. And in some extreme cases, people want to die. You've gone through something. You've done something. And you're like, I've just messed up my life. Let me tell you this. There's nothing you can do to mess up your life. 
Because God has a plan for your life. You're not stronger than God. There's nothing you could do to change the plan of God. God takes the mess and he takes everything. And according to Romans 8.28, your messes, your failures, your struggles, everything that you're going through, God takes it and he uses it for your own good. How does it work? That's the working of the Holy Spirit. I mean, none of us, we all came from mess. And God took that mess, renewed our minds, and brought us to a place of holiness and consecration. God's going to be doing it again. For so many young people, you are trapped. And you're like, I don't want anyone to know what I do. And I just feel even now, Jeff, there's going to be people, and deep down, you haven't said this to anyone, but that's just a word of knowledge. Mm. But you're like, you know, I'm a guy, but I identify as something. You know, I'm a girl, but I'm going to tell you something crazy, Jeff. But I was speaking to my lecturer in Australia, and he said to me something crazy. That there's three schools in Australia, and you can check that out, and they are supporting people who identify as a cat. Okay, yeah. And I was like, no way. So I went online and I was like, no way. So I went online, I pulled it up, I pulled up the article, I was reading out to my husband. I was so distressed because you know, this this girl who said I want to identify as a cat, and the whole school is supporting her. She's getting media interviews, she's getting costumes, she's you know, it's just horrible. And maybe you're not as maybe you're not as extreme as that, but you're like, you know, I don't know what I identify as. Let me tell you right now that God is calling you into purity and freedom, freedom yeah, from the spirit of perversion, because God has a call on your life. And where you are tempted right now, this will be the place of your ministry. This will be a place where God will use your test to become a testimony. So this is not the place of being hiding or rooted in shame or thinking, I don't know when I'm going to come out or I don't know why I'm going to identify. No, the Lord is saying, I'm calling you into a place of freedom where you you will be set free from the shame. You know, and I feel this, Jeff, you know, you've done something and you're like, oh, I don't know. I think I, I don't know. No, you're not. You're hearing this now because it attacks your identity. Yeah. This, this is another sin, just like shame. And you know what it does? It attacks who you are. And who you are is everything Christ paid for. Yeah. So this is a word for someone to say, son, daughter, I've called you by name. I knew your gender from when you were in your mother's womb. I chose the agenda for you. Don't come and twist the truth. Even if you've gone through a shameful situation, which made you believe that that's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, um, you know, I think on Friday we had Krista Bullock, uh, so Robin Bullock's daughter on the show. And it was a really powerful episode where she talked about her process of, um, you know, God restoring her mental health, basically. And it got so bad that, I mean, she was having suicidal thoughts. And one of the things that we both were very adamant about was it's very important to not claim things. Like if you are going through anxiety to not claim that as your own, my anxiety. Well, especially if you said yes to Jesus, like, we know who we are. We know what our attributes are, especially if you're reading scripture. That's why it's really important to read scripture, people, um, on a regular basis. Uh, but I, I would say even uh, gender gender confusion, all of those things, or even like you were saying, you're thinking about coming out, all those things. To claim those things as your own and to say those out loud is very um, – what we speak is very important. Um, yeah. You know, so when you suddenly say, like, if, I mean, if, if Satan is sitting there whispering in your ear, or a demon's sitting there whispering in your ear and saying to you that you're, you're a woman when you're actually a biological man, and then suddenly you go, okay, I am that, you know, um, that, and you say that enough times too, like that really does have an effect as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Jeff, Absolutely. And that's exactly what happens when you, when we look at shame, the results of shame, the first one is people attack themselves and they begin to believe that I'm so bad. I've done this 
horrible thing that no one knows about. And so I'm so bad. And I begin to accept that I am that person. Yeah. I begin to take upon the shame and I'm like, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I, you know, I do drugs. I do this and I do this. And as you said, I begin to identify with the condition. You know, this is me. It's, and, and as I said, shame attacks identity. I can't get enough of saying that yes, because yeah. all of a sudden yeah. your identity is twisted. Your identity is deformed. And all of a sudden you begin to, since you're a failure, since you're this, since you're that, okay, then you know what the result is? I hate myself and I don't want to live anymore because it becomes internal. Now, other people deal with shame differently. They begin to attack others. So they begin to think, you know what? What I'm going through now is because this person raped me and all yeah. oh, this person did this to me. So as a result, rather than attacking myself, I live life to begin to destroy and attack this person. And I see young girls coming out on social media saying, I'm coming out now. This priest attacked me. This pastor did this to me. And what do they do? They bring this attack on the perpetrator because they don't know how to deal with shame. And again, that's not God's way. But number three, and I tell you what, Jeff, that's what Adam and Eve did. When God said to Adam, what did you do? What did he say? He said, the woman yeah, that you gave me. <laughs> he did that. Yeah. You know? And then God said this to the woman, what have you done? And she said this in Genesis 3.13. She said, the, ser the serpent deceived me. And so when I don't, those who don't take the shame upon themselves and project it on others, they live from a blame game. They begin to say, I am having these thoughts or I am this type of person because this person did this and this person did that. And again, that's not God's way. But another one I said is withdrawal and hiding. Again, God doesn't want you to be in this position. And the last one is avoidance and denial. And I don't want you to be in that place either. That is the place where you hide the shame. You put it in a box. It doesn't exist. And you go out doing life thinking that you are okay. But you're not. Because the moment someone presses on that wound, you will explode. So, and so you live the life of being escaping reality. You know, you waste nights after nights on watching series on Netflix. Or you, you know, you're constantly on YouTube watching hours and hours. And you see young people, you're constantly flicking on your phone, you know, hours i i know i know young people not just yeah. young even even adults they're on tiktok for like five six hours why because they're escaping reality and mm -hmm. in actual fact someone was telling me tiktok is one of the worst for your adrenaline because it's short clips and it's always exciting so your adrenaline level is always up there wow. and you get yeah. used to that level and then when you don't have that level you're watching a sermon then there's withdrawal symptoms you on that you know but that's what's happening yeah. and <laughs> your mind you, starts wandering you're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's always like the next product you know the uh, next good thing the ne and you're always on the hype but again the time to come and realize. So why don't we now look at the Bible and look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, how he dealt with shame. So I want to pick um, Jeff from John 8, one of my absolute favorite stories. Um, but in John 8, in actual fact, the story starts in John 7. But in John 7, uh, there is the Feast of Tabernacles. At the end of the feast, Jesus makes a crazy claim. He says to them, I am that living water. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. They all want to kill him because Isaiah said that the only source of living water is God. So they're like, you're claiming to be God. So they set a trap to test him. Now, the trap I picked out because it deals with shame. So the Bible says that they bring a woman who has been caught in the very act of adultery. I want you to just pause and think on, of that. Now, we probably don't have that in the West, but in the Middle Eastern culture, in order to get a lawful divorce, you've got to be caught in the act. And when I say in the act, 
It means literally she is out of bed with somebody naked and wrapped with a blanket. That's basically yeah. what the in the act means. Now, adultery is different than fornication. Fornication is when two people engage in sexual activity, but they're not married. But adultery is when someone, one of the partners is married and they engage in sexual activity with someone else who is not their lawful spouse. Mm -hmm. So why am I highlighting this? Because it intensifies the shame. In other words, this woman, which was grabbed out of bed, naked, wrapped in a blanket, her son could be watching her. Her lawful husband could be watching her. The whole community could be watching her. And not just that, the law of Moses, according to Leviticus 20.10, says this, that Moses said, if a man or a woman, and you can see that they let off the man, they grab the woman. But the Bible says that if the two are caught, then they must be put to death. Mm. So this is a situation where she is destined to die. There's no way out of it. She is wrapped in shame. She's not even imagining it. She is, this is reality. And they grab her out and they bring her in the presence of Jesus. But the moment she comes into the presence of Jesus, something happens. And I want to tell someone that the moment you bring your shame into the presence of Jesus, something happens. This is when you are set free. It's not when you run away from him. It is when you run towards him. And so the Bible says something beautiful. It says that when Jesus saw them, he bent on the ground and he started to write something on the ground. Now, let me tell you, Jeff, that this trap a lot of people miss because they pretty much put Jesus in a corner. If Jesus agrees, you know, they said, Moses said she has to be stoned. What do you say? Now, if Jesus agrees, Jesus will be arrested. Because according to John 18, 31, the Romans said this, that the Romans denied the Jews the right to put anyone to execution. Hmm. So Jesus cannot arrest her. He cannot say that. Otherwise, he'll be arrested. If he says she has to die, then he's going to be arrested. But what about if he says if he doesn't agree, then he's breaking the law of Moses. So Jesus is put in a corner. What, do, what should he say? Should he say, yes, she has to be executed? Or should he let her off? If he says either, he's in trouble. So Jesus being Jesus. What he does is that a lot of people don't know what Jesus wrote on the some so many people have different things. Yeah, I've heard so many different theories. Yeah. But why don't we have a look at this from a Middle Eastern perspective? Jesus cannot disagree with Moses. There's no way. He cannot, because Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to oppose the law or yeah, destroy the law. Mm -hmm. So Jesus actually, and this will shock a lot of people, Jesus announced execution. I am convinced that Jesus would have written, she must die. However, <laughs> he added a condition as to the person who has to kill her. He said, this is the condition, that the first person to kill this woman has to be the one with no sin and a lot of people dealing with shame they have this inner belief that everyone else out there is righteous mm -hmm. right but yeah. they're and this is what this woman was thinking i deserve to die i am so full of shame i just committed adultery i am in the act she surrendered to her death and Jesus did not deny the fact that she should die. But after announcing the method of execution, he adds the condition, let the one without a sin, the only one who is able to condemn anyone who is dealing with shame is Jesus himself. Why? Because he is the only one who has no sin. He was the only one who was able to do that. And the Bible says that from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped the stone and they left. 
And the reason why it says from the oldest to the youngest is Middle Eastern culture is rooted in honor. Everything has to be done from the oldest to the youngest. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. So the youngest is looking at the oldest rabbi. And Jeff, you've gone to Israel. You know what rabbis look like. The more you get into the Western wall, the more the beads are longer, the more the tassels are longer. In other words, the more religious, right? So the younger ones are looking to the older ones thinking, surely you're a rabbi. Like surely you don't have any sin in your life. And all of a sudden the rabbi drops the stone and leaves. The next one after the rabbi, same thing. The next one, the next one, the next one. What does that mean? I'm trying to bring healing to someone here. If you are dealing with shame, you're thinking you're in isolation, you're in hiding, you're thinking you're the only one. Let me tell you, that's not true. There's a lot of others out there that are also struggling. If you're thinking I'm so bad, I'm the only one out there. No, we are all like sheep have gone astray. We are all trying to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And we need to be humble in order to bring healing and restoration to many who are watching this right now and thinking that I might die or that I should die. And Jesus slips up his eyes and he looks at the woman and the stage is empty. And he says to her, woman, has anybody condemned you? And she's like, no, sir. And he said to her, Neither do I. Hmm. And I want someone to hear this in the spirit. That the Lord is telling you personally. You are connecting to this show right now. You are hearing this right now. Because the Lord says, neither do I condemn you. You've come to me. You've prayed about this. You've confessed this. Why are you allowing shame to disfigure you when I was disfigured? Why? Why is it? And it's almost like, you know, rather than the great exchange where Jesus takes away the way I looked for the way he looked, I am walking disfigured. I am walking in so much shame with my head down. So we need to understand, Jeff, that in the spiritual realm, Jesus is telling, this is my message, so many young people You neither do I condemn you. According to even the Apostle Paul struggled, you know, in Romans 7. He says that a lot of the time I do what I don't want to do. I don't want to do that, but I, I end up doing it. And then he said, hang on a second. That's not me because I don't want to do it. It is sin that is living on the inside of me. So the moment I confess my sin and I say, Lord, I am facing my problem. I am struggling with the sin right now. I'm coming and I'm bringing this to you right now. And I forgive and release this person, even if it was caused by somebody else. What happens is I move to Romans 8. Because in Romans 8, it says that there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have been united to Jesus, they're not with Jesus, they're in Jesus. He is in them and they are in him. According to John 17, Jesus said this to his father. Would you make us one? You in me and I in you and them in us so that we can all become one. And Jeff, we're coming into the time where we need to start walking in this unity with the Lord, in this union that nothing can separate me from him. Your shame, you need to give that. You need to break that. You need to and pronounce it. And you need to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I break shame off of my life. I'm no longer going to be bound by what I'm doing in private. I give this to you right now, Lord. And I receive the forgiveness that you paid for. Because even in Romans 8, it says that the law of the spirit sets you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? That's Old Testament. In other words, you sin, you die. Just like this adulterous woman, she was under the law of sin and death. She sinned, she's destined to die. And do you know how many believers, Jeff, up until today, they are operating under an old covenant mindset? 
And the Lord is telling you right now, the law of sin and death does not apply to you. Because the moment she was brought into the very presence of Jesus, the New Testament kicked in. He said, grace kicked in. He said to her, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm paraphrasing very soon, and I am going to be carrying that adultery that you have done. It does not belong to you. I, it's already been accounted for. Therefore, neither do I forgive, condemn you. Go on walk in that freedom, even before Jesus went to the cross. If he set her free, even before he walked to the cross, tell me, Jeff, how much more are we to be set free from shame, guilt, condemnation, accusation, and walk with our heads lifted high as the sons of God and the daughters of God? How much more are we to receive this forgiveness of sin and walk in freedom right now? And so it gets, it gets so amazing because I'm going to take you to a difficult scripture and a lot of us just miss it. Mm. But I want to tell this to you, that on the cross, I'm going to take you to the cross, Matthew 27, 38. On the cross, Jesus said this. It said, Matthew says this. It says two um, revolutionaries were crucified with him. This is verses 38. Um, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled. You said you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down of the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked him. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down of the cross so we can believe in him. He trusted in God. Let God rescue him. And the Bible says that at that moment, it says at noon, darkness fell across the whole land. And about three o'clock, Jesus called. He says this, Eli, Eli, lima shabaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so many people, Jeff, they skip this verse. Some people are like, you know, God the Father had to be separated from Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Others will be like, oh, it's because Jesus had carried the whole, the sins of the world over him. So God the Father separated from him. That's a lie. Let me tell you the real, real Hebraic meaning of what Jesus was saying, because that's going to help someone. If you are being mocked, if you are being shamed, just like what happened to our Lord, let me tell you, and that's going to free so many people. In Hebraic tradition, Jeff, when the rabbis um, began to preach, they didn't preach the way we did today. People were versed in scripture and they memorized scripture. So whenever a rabbi was preaching a message outside of the synagogue, what he would start to do is he would only say the first verse of the psalm or the chapter and the rest of the congregation would recite it because they've memorized it. So what Jesus is saying, he is saying the start of Psalm 22. In other words, let me tell you what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, and I'm paraphrasing, that scripture has been fulfilled in my crucifixion. Mm -hmm. That all the shame and guilt is going to go towards me saving the whole world. He was able to give meaning to the shame. So let me take you to Psalm 22. And let's see, maybe on the cross, Jesus was preaching his last and final <laughs> message to us. Psalm 22 starts like this. It's a repeat of what Matthew just said. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far? It says, every day I call to you, but you do not answer. And then it says, yet you, every day I called you, but you do not answer. In other words, when God is abandoning Jesus, what he's saying is a repeat of Psalm 22. It says, yet, 
you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and you saved them. They trusted in you and they were never ashamed. It says later on in verses seven, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him, let the Lord rescue him. What did I just do, Jeff? The two are one scripture. Psalm 22 is the exact wording Matthew used. In other words, Jesus said scripture of Psalm 22 has been fulfilled today. What is he doing? He is giving meaning to the shame that he was enduring. He could have forgot Psalm 22, looked at the people, focused at the shameful statements, and just said, God, where are you in all of this? But he's not saying this. He's giving meaning to whatever experience. When you stop and you ask Holy Spirit, give me meaning, you reinterpret the same trauma or event which has happened to you in the light of Christ. Wow. And so Jesus on the cross is not saying that God forgot him. He is repeating Psalm 22. God, why did you forsake me? There's no way you can forsake me. You are the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. In you we trusted. You were always there for us. And so he was giving meaning to the pain. He was giving meaning to the shame. And in that, he was able to not just set himself free, but set the whole world free. Wow. And so God is calling us, Jeff, just like the two disciples of Amaze. They've gone through trauma, pain. But when Jesus met them, he reinterpreted the events in his life. He said to them, don't you know that the Messiah had to die so that he can enter his glory? And all of a sudden, they have an aha moment. They're like, oh, yes, that's true. And so it is, there's a turnaround of the situation. It no longer hurts. It no longer brings shame. I no longer want to hide. I no longer want to escape. I'm facing it. And I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to heal me. And I'm saying, Lord, you are fulfilling scripture. Lord, every promise, every prophecy in my life. This is what Jesus was saying. That everyone, Psalm 22, is being fulfilled right here, right now. In other words, what's happening to me may look like shame to those people. But God was fulfilling the very same assignment I have come to fulfill. Mm, so good. And that's so different to how so many people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when I begin to say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done this thing, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to confess this to you, Lord Jesus. You take it, God. And so we begin to understand that on the cross, on that Psalm 22, through Matthew 27, he took that very thing that's causing me shame, that's causing me failure on the cross. And I want to tell this to someone. There's a way out. There's an escape. You no longer want to be trapped in the cycle where you believe you don't understand my story. Mm. I've tried. These are words we need to, repeat, we need to repent from. Yeah. But I'm sorry that I believed that there is no way out. Because let me tell you, if there's no way out, then the gospel carries no power. Yeah. But the truth is, there's a way out. Mm -hmm. Even when Jesus was being mocked, he did not believe that this was his identity. He did not believe that God was abandoning him. He did not believe that he was a criminal. He did not believe that in his deepest pain and sorrow, he began to recite Psalm 22, reminding himself that he is who God said he is. And God does not forget his people. He's not going to forget Jesus. Yeah. And so when we live that lifestyle, Jeff, this is the, what breaks the cycle of shame and guilt and allow us to say, look at me. You know, in Japan, there's a beautiful art of plates that are broken, but they're glued together with pure gold. Mm -hmm. it's an, now it's become an art. 
but they look so much more beautiful. They do. You can see the breaking. And I want to say that, Jeff, God will always use, God will always expand his kingdom through broken people. Hmm. Through broken people. It's through the breaking. So don't feel that whatever you're trapped in, that that's your identity. In actual fact, if I was to summarize everything I said, Jeff, that the only way to overcome shame is to walk in your identity. Hmm. You know, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8. He said, you did not receive the spirit of fear, which makes you a fearful slave. You didn't. You received the spirit of adoption. Hmm. where you can call God Abba. You can run to your father right now. You can say, Father, here I am. I remember when I was studying the younger son in Luke 15, who came back into the embrace of his father, mm -hmm. he came back writing three statements. He said, the first thing I'm going to say to him, that I sinned against heaven and against you. The second thing I'm going to say, I no longer deserve to be your son. And the third thing was, give me a job. Make me a slave. Just give me a job. When he fell into the embrace of the father, he could not say the third one. He could not pronounce it. He looked at the father and he said, I sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer am worthy to be your son. But then he stopped. Mm. And he never got to pronounce, make me as one of your slaves. He fell into the embrace of such a loving father. And he knew that a son will always be a son. In other words, the shame does not form your identity. You are a son and a daughter no matter what you have done or what others said about you. And unless you stand up and walk in that identity, then shame will never fall off. Yeah. Amen. Well, yeah. Yvonne, I would love for you to pray for people because uh, yeah. I know there's some people who are just, I mean, God really wants to just, God really wants to connect with them right now, really wants to touch them. So take it Amen. away. Amen. Let's do that. Yeah. Why don't we just invite the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are the only one who is able to set us free. I thank you for the work of Christ. And we stand on the finished work of the cross. We need to just invite the Holy Spirit wherever you are right now. This is not the time to switch off. This is not the time to say, this is not for me. The first part of healing is to recognize, Lord, that's me. I need to hear this. So Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, I thank you. We honor you. And I just ask, Lord God, that you would invade every screen right now, that you would just embrace, that even right now, I release the love of the Father the embrace of the Father, Lord, wherever they are right now, that they would just feel this warmth just come over them. You'll feel heat that will just come over you right now. Some of you, you'll feel this tingling. Others, you'll feel the shiver. And it's just God saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. It is God saying, I don't see you the way you see yourself. But I see you the way I see my son, Jesus, pure, holy, and sanctified in my sight. So I just want you to receive those divine kisses right now. I want you to just rest in the presence as Holy Spirit, intensify your presence, Lord. Intensify your presence, Lord. Release angels to minister to your sons and daughters as you are setting them free right now. I want you to come and just open up your mouth and begin to confess. So begin to say, Lord, this is what I'm struggling with. You know, the Bible says that if you confess your sins, he will forgive your sins. He will forgive them. I want you to just say, Lord, here I am right now. I am struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And just begin to confess those things. Give it to the Lord right now. And in exchange, just open up your hand and say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness right now. 
I think I, I receive that forgiveness right now. And I just want you to begin to forgive this person or that person, which may have caused this. When I want you to say, Lord, I forgive this person, name them, name them and just release them right now. Release them to God, release them. And in this moment, I want you to begin to just lift up your hand. I'm about to pray a prayer that will break shame of you. Father, in Jesus' name, as a daughter of the Most High King, Lord, I come in the realm of the Spirit with the authority of a child. And Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I break off shame of them right now. I break off every lie of the enemy, every thought which had spoken to them and made them believe that they are no longer your child. Father, in the name of King Jesus right now, I break off shame and accusation, condemnation, as you are embracing them, Lord, as you are bringing them close to your heart. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I break off every soul tie that attached them to shame. I want you now to say that. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I break every soul tie with shame. I break every soul tie with every dependency, every substance. If you are using drugs, if you're using cigarettes, if you're on alcohol and you want to be set free, this is the time. Just speak it out. Just say, Father, in Jesus' name, I break off every attachment to every dependency, to every substance, to alcohol, to pornography, to any addiction in the name of Jesus, I break it off. And Father, in Jesus' name, I release your love. I release your love to minister to your daughters. I release your love to minister to your sons right now. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, I break every curse in the bloodline, every generational curse in the bloodline that's causing them to repeat those actions. I break it in Jesus' name right now. I pronounce that it is broken. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak those words that you spoke to the adulterous woman. Neither do I condemn you. And I hear the Lord saying this to someone. Neither do I condemn you. Right now, you are set free. You are separated from shame and guilt. You are separated from fear and hiding. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill them right now with the Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray for a fresh baptism of fire, a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've never spoken in tongues, take that first step with me. And the Holy Spirit will be poured out right now. Father, fresh, fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit as you are doing it to them right now. And I just release your joy. The joy will be their portion. That the weak will say, I am strong. And Father, I release them right now into their God-given calling. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release apostles, evangelists, teachers, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they will be set on fire and nothing will hold him back. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. So anybody who uh, feels open to giving your testimony, I mean, feel free to write Yvonne personally. They can contact you through, is Facebook the best way or Instagram or? Our website, celebratefreedomministries.org uh, is probably the easiest way, Jeff, that people can contact us. Awesome. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. And then obviously you're on other platforms. You've got YouTube, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we're on YouTube. You can find me on my YouTube channel. We do have a great event coming up May 29th about encountering the heavenly realms. Many believers believe that they can't encounter the heavenly realms until uh -huh. they die. And I just, the Lord put it on my heart to teach in part uh, to believers that this is the inheritance of every single believer. So if you're interested for this event, it's happening May, 20, uh, May 29th. Awesome. And is that in person or is it uh, like online? So Jeff, that will, that will be on Zoom. 
Okay. Um, but we'll be praying for an impartation and specifically we'll be discussing why is it that many believers are hindered from those realms? What is it that we believe? How do we, how are we renewed? And even with the topic that I spoke about today, we do have an inner healing school as well mm-hmm. um, that focuses on all those topics. So if anyone's interested, again, it's on the website, Celebrate Freedom Ministries. My book, Revealing the Healer, mm-hmm. is on the website, as well as the physical healing courses and the inner healing courses. Awesome. So are you, I, random question, are you uh, are you working on an, another book or have you been thinking about writing another book at all? I am. So right now I am writing, me and Nina, a book that's called Jesus through the eyes of the Middle East. It's actually called the supernatural love of Jesus from the eyes of the Middle East. And in the book, Jeff, we highlight the hidden gems, the cultural gems that will ignite the believer to walk in their calling. So that's that. And I'm also finishing off my doctor of ministry. So I am a year three student now. Um, and I'm doing my um, doctorate in healing, in physical mm-hmm. healing. So this is a topic that's so dear to my heart, yeah. like intimacy with the Lord, um, inner healing and physical healing. It's just where God has wired our ministry mm-hmm. to just bring that fire and, and passion to believers. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And anytime you 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 provide uh, kind of context middle eastern context to things there's just it really does bring a lot more resonance because it's it's something that the you know the the cultural significance of certain things we miss especially you know with western minds reading on certain things and so i man that's going to be a great book and soon i'll get to call you a dr yvonne pretty exciting (laughs) but you're right jeff like in israel you could see how connecting with the geography of the land just brings us to life you know so you can imagine when we understand why jesus said what he said how that's gonna help us and impact us in a deeper way absolutely well yvonne this is great thank you so much for coming on i just think you're fantastic i think you're a fantastic (laughs) human being Thank you, Jeff. It's yeah. my honor. Thank you so much for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed Tuesday. Tune in tomorrow again to, for those who missed the announcement at the beginning. We're starting our next teaching series. It's going to be a three-parter. So part one of three is about renewing. It's it, The series is called Renewing Your Mind, and it's with Kara Starnes. It's going to be fantastic. So tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, lightfire.com slash donate is how you donate. All proceeds go towards keeping this thing free five days a week. And then we also take a portion and funnel it into our water well efforts, which is amazing. And we're doing so much because of you guys' generosity. So God bless you guys. And we will see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with Kara Starnes. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.